0: Welcome to Strictly Anime, a podcast for anime reviews and discussions by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney.
1: And I am Carl.
0: This is episode 21, and we're reviewing Weathering With You. As always, there will be spoilers throughout this episode, so you've been warned.
1: And what timing. It is raining outside. It
0: is raining outside. It's actually been raining a lot the last week or so. And the temperature is dropping. And there's thunder, if anyone can hear it in the
1: background. (laughs) Hopefully not. we we need to pray the rain away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so before we jump into weathering with you, um, I know in our last podcast episode, episode 20, we shared that there were some exciting updates and, and some new things coming to our podcast Um, One of which is our new logos for both the Strictly series, our podcast network, as well as the new Strictly anime logo. And if you haven't seen that, um, if you check out our Instagram page at the Strictly series, we've got it posted there. Or hopefully you saw it when you found our podcast uh, to listen to this newest episode and saw the change on whatever podcast streaming service you're on.
1: Yeah, I think what I like or what we like the most about it is that it incorporates that iconic anime um anger symbol, which I guess like the vein bulge. <laughs> the um, vein bulge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you'll see that in the Strictly Anime logo as well as the overall Strictly Series logo. And of course we want to give a major thank you to the talented Jason Seaboon um, for helping us develop and create these logos. Um, the guy has a big eye for art and artsy things. Um, just a side note he did once make me a painting of uh, Bold and Brash from Spongebob the the painting that Squidward works on and then is thrown in the trash and it's almost like a one-for-one remake of it which is pretty impressive so again thank you to Jason for his help in putting together our logos for the podcast
0: yes huge thank you and yeah that bold and brash painting is spot on spot on
1: but the collaboration does not end there folks because jason will also be helping us create our strictly jojo logo
0: Yes, something that we've been teasing for a little bit now. Um, We have another podcast coming out called Strictly Jojo, where we only talk about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, and we review every single episode of the show. Um, We're super excited about this one because Jojo holds a special place in both of our hearts, especially in my heart because it's my all-time favorite anime. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that'll be premiering on November 23rd, and it'll be available on all podcast streaming services, so go listen to it wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Again, that's Strictly JoJo, premiering November 23rd. And with that, we'll dive into weathering with you. So as always, before we go into the synopsis of this movie, wanted to first talk about our initial thoughts. It's the first time we've watched a movie um, for both of us, and what were your kind of an- initial impressions or takeaways after seeing this?
1: Yeah, uh, going into it, I had high hopes because like this was directed or written and directed by Makoto Shinkai, who did Your Name, which we watched in the past. And that was a like fantastic movie. And I know it's like one of the highest, I don't know if it's highest grossing or highest rated anime films of all time um so yeah it was re- really although look-
0: demon slayer's up there
1: now okay yeah
0: <laughs> demon slayer's killing it in the box office in japan because yeah, it has no
1: competition right now <laughs> but um yeah so with weathering with you i was looking forward to seeing what uh, makoto had in store for us and i gotta say like i had to weather through watching this movie <laughs> oh, oh, oh. i like, it, it starts off really great it 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 builds up the world and and the plot really well, but after, I would say the third act um, is where it kind of went downhill for me. How about you?
0: So I I feel similarly to you. Is that a word, similarly? Mm -hmm. I feel similarly to you, but not completely the same. So I would say I enjoyed this movie. I really genuinely enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. Um, kind of the, to, to the same point that, that you had, it didn't live up to the level that was your name or um, a silent voice. Like I loved a silent voice and your name much, much more than this movie. Um, again I I enjoyed it a lot I think it had a very unique and very unexpected plot Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the characters were very very interesting and and had a good mix of like personalities or types of characters Um, the ending was great everything was was wrapped up in a a nice bow which I always appreciate Um, and it had a a really nice love story but um, yeah it just didn't quite hit me the same way that that Your Name did Um, and I feel like i don't know this is purely my guess but it felt like um the the creator the director was trying to basically remake another your name instead of just coming up with a totally separate story that could live on its own
1: yeah like i said i think there were or like you mentioned that there are just high expectations for this movie because of your name and i think that's where it kind of falters because it it tries to live up to it but it ends up being like within its shadow
0: yeah no no for sure and we'll we'll dive into that i think we can get to some of like the specifics around that and some of the things that really at least confused me in this movie um so let's let's jump into the synopsis if you want to walk us through this movie sure
1: so weathering with you is a 2019 japanese animated romantic fantasy film written and directed by makoto shinkai Set in Japan during a period of exceptionally rainy weather, the film tells the story of a high school boy who runs away from his rural home to Tokyo and befriends an orphan girl who has the ability to manipulate the weather. In the film's rainy prologue, an unnamed girl up and leaves her dying loved one in a hospital to follow a golden ray of sunshine to a torii gate atop a decrepit building. After entering the shrine to pray, the rainy clouds suddenly part and she is thrust into the sky as if she is trying to change her drop location. Fast forward to our high school protagonist, Hodaka Kaka, on a ship headed for Tokyo. After being saved from a torrential downpour by the sleazy Keisuke Bebop, Hodaka Kaka takes to Tokyo's neon-lit streets and struggles to find work or food, but does procure a handgun from a trash can in the process. Too bad it isn't edible. His appetite is saved when he is given a Big Mac out of pity by a staff member at the McDonald's he naps in, who turns out to be Love Hina, the girl from the prologue. Hodaka decides to visit KSK Bebop for a job, but also runs into his assistant-slash-implied mistress, Natsumi Zumi. Hodaka Kaka becomes a reporter for Keisuke's supernatural tabloid and interviews people about the cause for the unusual weather in Tokyo, one of whom, a psychic, mentions the legend of a sunshine girl who can control the weather. Later, Hodaka saves Love Hina from a pimp using his secret handgun. They escape to the building with the tori gate,
0: I want to talk about that really quick before you go on the handgun thing so that i think was the part of the plot that was really like what the fuck to me in both a good way and a bad way so it was good in the sense that like that's not what i was expecting Mm. that came out of nowhere and like what is this all about and you don't often like there's guns in anime yes but there's not guns in slice of life anime (laughs) and Mm. i don't know if you can totally call this a slice of life like there's there's folklore and there's, like, I don't know, magic or... Slice or, of surreal life. Yeah. But I was like, a handgun and, like, all that in, in this movie? Very unexpected. I I think overall, um, and you'll get to this, I'm sure, um, as you talk through the synopsis, but overall, I thought the handgun and, like, the... I don't know what you call them, like the the gang or whatever, would play a bigger part in this movie, and it did not. I was like, I thought they were setting up for something like pretty big, like this is gonna be a significant plot point for Hodaka and
1: Hina, but no, not really. He just waves it around at people. Yeah, I guess they didn't want something like too intense that would take away from, I guess, the love story aspect of the film. So, that's but why it, you-
0: if that's the case, I I just don't see why why even have the gun. Like it's almost like they just needed this weird like plot point or this weird right. conflict so they're like let's just throw a handgun in there and let's have him fire it off at people but not actually kill anybody and I don't know just like really do something insanely illegal um because he's a frustrated teenager and and then nothing really come of that but I just, just I felt like it was so, it was so out of place for the, for the movie
1: but I think it, it, it's just meant to connect the characters to certain points during the movie because like later on you'll see in this probably like he throws away the handgun at that building with the Torygate gate and then uses that later on. And I think it, the handgun is to establish that like Hodaka is like a runaway and like connect him to kind of connect him to the story of like why the cops are looking for him as well.
0: Yeah, but you don't need a handgun to tell us he's a runaway. You, you already, you being the, the creator, whoever already told us he's a runaway when we see him on the boat. I don't need him to be waving a handgun around to be more convinced that he's a troubled youth that he's a runaway and all of that. And like I, I get that's why the cops are first searching for him, but they already had gotten a missing persons report from his parents prior to that because they said, we're looking for this kid who waved his handgun around. By the way, he's also missing and his parents are trying to find him. So why wouldn't that be the reason that the cops are looking for him versus like this handgun?
1: Maybe it's because they give more attention to it since he used that handgun. Like, I don't know if missing reports... I'm like a missing person obviously is an important thing, but um, I think because of that like threatening aspect to it, they probably were more interested in looking for him.
0: I suppose. Yeah.
1: But yeah, handgun I guess is better than him holding like a bazooka. <laughs> 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 All right. So going back. Um, so he saves Love Hina from a pimp using a secret handgun they escape to the building with the Tori Gate, where he disposes the gun and learns of Love Hina's ability to pray the rain away. He finds out that she lives alone with her younger brother, Nagibara Thang, whom we learned earlier on is quite the player. Ma man. Odakaka Kaka proposes that they generate income by utilizing Love Hina's quirk as a business opportunity to clear the weather for special events. They decide to close up shop after Love Hina is thrust into the spotlight for saving the Jingu fireworks festival. Hodaka Kaka decides to buy a ring for her 18th birthday because that in no, no way implies a high school marriage proposal and looks for the right time to give it to her. However, since we still need some real tension in this plot, we learn that Hodaka Kaka's parents have filed a missing persons report and have hired Detective Josuke for the case. He interrogates Love Hina at her home about Hodaka Kaka's whereabouts, but additionally finds out that she and Thang are living, home, living alone after their mother's recent death and threatens to send social services to take them into custody. Hodakakaka takes the two of them to a hotel with the police in hot pursuit, and we are treated to a calm-before-the-storm montage of the trio enjoying themselves while on the lam. I realized I said before the storm. No pun intended. Love Hina reveals to Hodakakaka that she is becoming one with the force of precipitation, and that she must sacrifice herself to stop the bad weather. Hodakakaka objects to this and promises to protect her, but... Oh, she's already gone by morning and Tokyo shines bright like a diamond proving that it's always sunny and Hina Dolphia. The police arrest Hodaka Kaka and send Nagi thing to social services. However, Hodaka Kaka is blinded by love and escapes custody to save love Hina with the help of Natsumi Zumi and her Zumi Scooter. Once her scooter breaks down, he runs a marathon across Tokyo to reach the building with the Tori Gate. KSK Bebop, Detective Josuke, and the cops try to stop him but Keisuke has a change of heart and fends them off along with a cross-dressing nagibataji thing to ad- allow Hodakakaka to enter the gate. He finds Love Hina and they start free-falling from the sky, but he encourages her to let go of her supernatural burdens so that they can live happily ever after. Except now Tokyo becomes Atlantis 2.0 and everyone is arrested for their petty crimes. Hodakakaka is sent back home on a three-year probation, but returns to the metropolis to catch up with Keisuke Bebop and reunite with Love Hina and thus ends the prequel to Japan Sinks 2020.
0: Man, okay. So there's like, okay, as you can tell just from that synopsis, there's like so many things going on, but they don't happen cohesively. And I think think that's my biggest qualm with this movie is that for the first two-thirds I was sitting there I'm like I'm enjoying what I'm watching but mm-hmm. I don't get what the point is like what is the point what is the plot what are they working towards or what is the conflict I know they started to kind of like drop in like she's got powers and who knows what'll happen to her and blah blah blah, blah. but it just felt like until I hit the last third of the movie that I was like okay now I get what we're trying to work towards um and that I think that was really draining in the beginning. Um, and coupled with that is that we barely get any context around any of the characters backstory so there's like a little bit they give us a little bit of of history there um, but not enough for at least me personally to get invested in these characters like I'm invested in Hodaka and Hina's love because I've seen it blossom I've seen it um, you know kind of unfold throughout this movie so I've, I've had a chance to to get invested to get interested but it's not the same with the characters themselves um, for example with Hodaka he is a runaway and when he first arrives to Tokyo he's got bandages all over his face and, and the whole time I'm watching I'm like okay wh- why did he run away like what what happened at home on that island that he lives on that made him want to run away um, we do see a flashback of him as a kid looking outside and seeing like the fish raindrops or whatever and when he tells his mother about it she seems pretty apathetic she's like okay cool whatever she's chopping vegetables that was a flashback yeah
1: i thought that was just a kid that they randomly focused on oh my god is it yeah i (laughs) I
0: thought it was a flashback that's why i was like is that all we're gonna get about his backstory i could be Hmm. totally wrong i thought it was a flashback of him um like checking out the rain and being excited about it because he he seemed to like love rain in the beginning, which is another thing I'll get to. Um, But so at least with with his backstory, I'm just like, why did he run away from home? Like it seems pretty important because that's like a huge plot point for him is like he does not want to go home. He's found a new home. He's found a new family in Tokyo. He doesn't want to go back. Like were his parents abusive or something? Is that why he had bandages? Like I, I just, I don't know.
1: Um Really quick, I, I just want to say like, I think one thing that we appreciate or that I appreciate about certain stories is that like less is more. So like in the beginning what you said, like we see Odaka like injured or whatever, and we find out that he's running away from home. Like me personally, I don't need to know anything more than that. Um, I think it establishes enough of what Hodaka's purpose is. um, And then that allows us as audience members to focus on what's next for him.
0: That's fair. I, I get that. and I'm not don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they need to spoon feed me his entire history. Mm-hmm. I just needed a little bit more. Like I needed him to be rounded out as a character. Like I, I the the movie you're absolutely right is very focused on present day. like it, it gives you very little about anything, including the folklore about you know the the sunshine girls and the, or the maidens or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just like, I just personally needed a little bit more to round everybody out. I think the person we got the most backstory for was probably Kay. Yeah. Um, with him and his daughter and losing his wife in an accident um, and him not being able to see her and, and kind of how he's ended up the, the way that he is living and where he's living. Um, but yeah, I think his, his was a little more satisfying because we got that. And again, they didn't give us a ton. It was just kind of like these little bits and pieces that that helped to kind of put that puzzle together. But I needed that bit more with Hodaka and with Hina and all that. Um, so that, that was one of my biggest things with, again, the fact that the plot itself didn't really take off for me until two-thirds of the way
1: in. Yeah, to go off more about like the characters, I think, I know for one that I'm not sure what Natsumi's place was in or what her place was with all of this. Because, I mean, like, yeah, in the beginning, it establishes that you think that she's Kay's mistress. But then you find out later on that she's actually his niece and that she's constantly searching for a job. And I don't think you ever find out in, like, the epilogue if she did find a job. I don't know if Kay mentioned it and I just didn't pay attention. But her only purpose, I guess, or, like, her driving purpose was that she was able to help um, Hodaka find uh, Hina.
0: Yeah, you're right. And like we got zero. She's the one character we get zero background on. Mm-hmm. Like she, she feels more like a plot device. I mean, no, I loved her character. I thought she was fun. Um, I thought she, she was um, a good, a good character to play off of K because she's like that, that conscience for him, and always kind of like guiding him in the right direction and telling him, hey, like stop doing what you're doing or you need to do this. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really don't know what other point she served like Mm -hmm. i I wasn't um invested in her you you probably could have plucked her out and put any other character in there and as long as they took care of the same things like helping hodaka in the same ways then she her specifically would have been like expendable
1: yeah i will say however that nagi is a player that boy (laughs) man he has the moves he got two girls to go on a bus with him to flirt with
0: and then it broke like, him out of I guess what's child services juvie of some sort. I yeah. love that Hodaka calls him senpai and like oh, yeah, commits to true. that. <laughs> like even when they're like in in like um uh when they're running away from the cops on the street in Tokyo when it's raining, he even yells like senpai. Like in in that serious moment he even says, I think it's in that that part, he says yeah. like senpai and like the fact that he commits to it and like that's just like how he addresses him is is amazing. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, mad respect for that kid.
0: One other thing I want to say about the characters and all of them, like their, their development, is that I feel like K should have played a bigger part in the movie. Again, he's the one character we got the most backstory on, but and he sees a lot of himself in Hodaka. Like, he, he should be more of that mentor to a certain degree, and I felt like he was barely there, especially towards the end. Like, he played a big part in the beginning, and then he kind of just tapered off, and Of course, he he himself was choosing to distance himself from Hodaka, but I felt like there were so many opportunities for him to really play a bigger part or at least try to be somewhat of that guiding voice so that Hodaka wouldn't follow in his footsteps of kind of where he is now after what happened to his wife. Um, But yeah, he was a great character, and I would have loved to see more of him.
1: Yeah, besides the fact that he reminded me of Spike from Kawai Biba. Yeah,
0: to a, almost to a T. I mean, not like yeah. identical to him, but yeah, he was very, very, very reminiscent of Spike.
1: But yeah, but I guess to that point, like I can see why K doesn't like play a bigger role in Hodaka's story because um, he's like so carefree about, it seems like he's just so carefree about everything. Um, although he like, he wants to reestablish like a connection with his daughter. I think he was in play more so to see the parallels between him and hodaka and then at the end when he sees how much hodaka is giving his all to save hina that's where he realizes like oh hodaka is just taking the path that i couldn't take Basically.
0: Yeah. It's almost like something's like a a switch flipped in him and he realized he's trying to save the one he loves. Something I wish every day that Mm -hmm. I could do, which is really sad when you think about it. It's like, Kay obviously this was an accident. There was, I assume no way for Kay to save his wife and that probably kills him inside every Mm -hmm. single day. And then he realizes this is the chance for, um, as you mentioned, Hodaka to do something that I, I couldn't or that I've always wanted to do. Um, that was a, a really great turning point for his character.
1: Mm hmm. And then he just becomes an asshole in the epilogue <laughs> when he starts up his or makes a bigger company.
0: Well, he, he kind of always was an asshole. So <laughs> yeah. he, he more like keeps himself consistent, yeah. I would say. And then the cat just gets fatter.
1: Mm-hmm. I know like we've kind of been raining down, another, no pun intended, <laughs> on the movie. But one positive thing that I like to mention is like, holy fuck, the animation in this is great.
0: It's amazing. Yeah,
1: I think it seems like they're trying to um, be on par with like studio, is it Ghibli or Ghibli?
0: I say Ghibli,
1: but. But yeah, the level of detail that like studio Ghibli puts in its films, um, especially like with the background locations that you see, it seems like they're ripped out of a Tokyo travel brochure. And having gone to Tokyo like a couple of years ago, like it just takes me back to, to being there. Um, just with how realistic um, these locations look and it looks like places that I've been to um, cuz I'm pretty sure there's Shinjuku Shibuya's mentioned or no Shibuya's seen like the corner whatever that crosswalk is and then the Asakusa shrine which I think they show briefly um, they just look amazing and it's as if you like you can just step into that um, step into that scene and be immediately transported.
0: You know, I never really liked so back in back in my day, back in like the earlier days of anime movies, I don't know, I'm thinking to like I think like adult swim, um, like that that generation of anime. Like when we watched um Cowboy Bebop and when Inuyasha was coming out and all that, so that that kind of time frame with anime, um, early two thousands, I guess. I I hated movies in anime like at that time because I just think specifically to Inuyasha, cause that's that's the the example that comes to mind. But y- the animation style looked completely different from the show, and I'm like, why do you have to draw it different for a, a movie? Like I I'm invested in this story, I want to just see another part of it, but now I kind of like I'm taken taken out of that because it looks so like different it looks so weird but now anime movies and anime tv shows are drawn so well so consistently that it's it's um i don't know like i i I really enjoy watching anime movies now and and this movie and your name like they just take that style to a whole nother level Mm -hmm. um everything is is perfectly drawn the movements are so smooth and fluid of course the the food in anime is is amazing and this movie is no exception to that
1: i would say i've never seen a big mac look so appetizing oh my god just don't even bother
0: with real commercials anymore just have like that team draw all of mcdonald's commercials
1: yeah if they can sell a really unhealthy burger to me i'm sure they can sell even more disgusting stuff
0: <laughs> we got like movies a- anime movies look so good so consistently now and and i i just love that like they're 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 no longer just to me personally they no longer feel like that side story that they're just kind of tossing out there or the random anime movie someone wants to put out like these are big blockbuster hits and you can tell that that's what they're going into it intending it to be and they're they're not they're pulling out all the stops for it um, I also really like the way they they told the story there were some some really cool breaks and cutaways as we, we went through the movie um, that's I think to me personally a little less common and I, I enjoyed that I think it it gave it kind of a I don't know like not a refreshing kind of storytelling style but it just it seemed different and with a plot that that, that was this different to me I I thought that that paired very very nicely Mm-hmm. There was the theme of, at least in the beginning, Hodaka loving the rain. And I, I thought that was really cool. Um, and I thought that was going to be a theme that they played throughout the movie because Hina is obviously all about bringing sunshine and, and she wants sunshine. But Hodaka has like this, this um, appreciation and, and love and excitement for rain. But I didn't really see that carried through in the movie. I feel like halfway through or even before the halfway point, it kind of just tapered off.
1: Well, he does rain down and he has parade by dooming Japan. Yeah, that's true.
0: And he like, I don't know, he just seems so apathetic about rain by the end of it. Maybe because he had to spend like an entire summer in the rain and then who knows, another like three plus years of, well, I guess he he moved away, but Mm. when he came back to Tokyo, it was still raining. So maybe he kind of killed his love for rain. But I was hoping that would be more of like a a theme motif in the movie, like, they're, they're so opposite. He loves the rain. She loves the sunshine. But they're able to overcome that difference and and make like a, a, a real relationship happen.
1: Maybe the way you can see it is like um, Rain as a metaphor where he like, at first has this appreciation. But then Hina comes into his life and she's obviously like a, a sunny spot in in the madness of all of this despair yeah that's
0: true as I think about that I'm just kind of talking out loud because that's a really good point mm. um like he obviously is coming from a bad situation where he wants to run away from home so yeah. all he's ever known I'm assuming growing up is bad situations aka the rain but then this spot of sunshine enters his life and he realizes there's a lot more to life than what he's experienced and that it can be a lot better. But to me, I would have also been, I think, equally happy if like she, Hina, felt that the rain was such a bad thing, but he was able to show her that there is a certain appreciation you can have for the rain. Mm -hmm. Um, And and maybe she feels like she's a horrible person or something because she has this connection to the rain. But then he loving the rain says, no, I like I actually really love it. and, And by extension, I love you and all that stuff. Um, so I would have loved to see, I don't know, I, just have, I wanted to see more of that motif. I thought that was super cool, um, but it kind of it kind of just fell off halfway through.
1: And that kind of issue where, like, the film kind of drops any sort of motif, I think, kind of complements what I think about in terms of the ending, which I guess you could say is kind of controversial. Um, and this is where I think, like, the movie takes the first half and establishes all of this like, world-building with the the legend of the Sunshine Girl, and then with Hina disappearing, and that's where I thought, like, you know, maybe Hodaka just has to accept that fact and and move on, but I feel like all of that is just thrown out the window with this part, so that the plot just becomes in service of the love story itself. I'm, I'm like, I'm not saying, like, it, it was a very unexpected and, like, cataclysmic conclusion, and I wouldn't have seen that happening where Tokyo just ends up being like half sunken but it's just weird that Hodaka just still gets the girl in the end
0: so you're saying you didn't like that outcome
1: not really because I guess I look on it more at like a on like a moral level and I've mentioned this like hypothetical moral dilemma to you that part reminded me where like Hina has to sacrifice herself in order for the rain to stop reminded me of the dilemma of the there's an oncoming train that has two tracks but on one track there's a loved one that's tied to it and on the other track is like a group of strangers and the dilemma is like who do you save or like who are you morally obliged to save like one or the other right yeah and like in my mind like i yeah you would save your loved one but i guess there's a greater good to all of this it's just weird cuz like he he saves Hina and all we're told is that like Tokyo is just sunken. Like it's just weird that you don't they don't mention like casualties to that cuz obviously like you save one life but you have torrential floods that I'm sure is decimating the population. I don't know
0: well it happened over three years so I'm guessing it's slow flooding people were able to get out of there but regardless even if they didn't die if there weren't any mortalities their their homes are destroyed and right. their their life is is uprooted because they can't live there anymore so i I totally get that
1: yeah because then the question is like is it worth it
0: yeah well it's just interesting because I actually liked the ending hmm. because you know I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for love stories but not only that but i, I I-, I figured it was just gonna be a sad ending. Like I figured it was gonna be like she had to go away or whatever and they had to accept that. But I took the ending as breaking or changing fate, which I thought mm-hmm. was different than many shows where they succumbed to fate. Um so yeah, they they didn't t- they didn't succumb to fate, but it was at a cost to your point. Um, the fact that they chose to do something that changed, you know, the the fate of, of Tokyo and have this torrential downpour was something that I think took this ending that I really loved because the love story had a nice, you know, was tied up in a nice bow, but I still felt conflicted because there was a huge cost associated with that. Right. Um, so I, I, I thought that was cool. Like I thought that I, I don't exactly like the feeling of feeling conflicted, but mm-hmm. I, I have an appreciation for this this studio um, and this creator saying like, yeah, you're going to get your happy ending, but you're not going to be 100% happy about it. And it could go the other way, but then you'll have, I guess, a sad ending, at least in, in the eyes of, like, Kodaka and Hina. But at least you know Tokyo is safe. So it's like, which do you choose in that in that scenario? Um, I did read something. Um, I was kind of skimming some, some stuff about this movie before this podcast. And I did come across, like, a headline. I didn't dive into it, but the headline said something along the lines of, like, Weathering With You is a story about a boy who dooms Tokyo to get a girlfriend or something like that. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, technically, that's correct.
1: If you want to look at it like a negative Nancy.
0: (laughs) But I I thought it was... I don't know. I I, I think it was the right ending, at least in in my eyes. Um, I I think it's a big... um, a big resolution to be able to say, yes, this is fate, but you can change that. You don't have to just accept that. You can always find a way to make things right or make things different. Um, and part of that was I, I that choker that Hina always wore, which just to me was like, I, I kept wondering why she was wearing chokers all the time. I'm like
1: Because they're back in style.
0: Well, they they were <laughs> back in style for a little bit, but I don't know, it was just weird that she was constantly wearing one. Um, but then I realized, okay, that's symbolism because it has a little the little water droplet or whatever. Yeah. That symbolism for her breaking out of the chains of fate because when they come back after Hodaka rescues her, they specifically show us a shot of her choker broken. Because um, I was like, man, why is she wearing that fucking choker? Like every outfit she has a choker on. And then I was like, oh, okay, yes. That's that's the point of the <laughs> choker. Those were her chains, her literal chains. <laughs> and now that choker is broken and I never want to see a choker on her again.
1: Very <laughs> good. Yeah, I get that point where it's like, The theme is to kind of break your fate. And I guess this is almost like an extreme case of it. Another lesson that I think the movie was trying to impart is that, you know, even in the face of, like, all logic and reasoning, that we should always, like, choose love in the end. Um, I think in this point, or in this case, it can be a pretty dangerous statement, though. Um, But, like, I I get where...
0: Because Hodaka yes. almost shot like six people <laughs> to to get the girl or whatever. I I get, get me don't get me wrong. I don't think he would like actually kill anybody, mm-hmm. but he did fire off that shot in the beginning of the movie that like hit the. Hit the light above the the one guy who was beating him up. He beating him up,
1: mm-hmm. but you
0: could you could argue self defense or something like that. I don't know. It just yeah. the whole gun thing. I'm still stuck on that. I'm sorry everybody, but I was like why why I just it seemed like it it just added this layer of, of complexity that didn't need to be there because it didn't really serve a purpose other than just being like oh my god a gun.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, thankfully he's as skilled as a stormtrooper, so. <laughs> um.
0: But overall, I have to say, I, I enjoyed the ending. I, I loved the, the love story in this. Um, I love that they they both come from this background where they feel very alone. They don't have family, quote unquote, because they've either passed away or they're not the family that I guess is very supportive or loving. Um, and then they find each other and they realize like you can you can start fresh. you can start new, you can find family. Um, and, and yeah, you can, you can start again and you can you can find love. It's beautiful
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we'll we'll just we can a- agree to disagree um uh, with the ending um, I guess the one point that kind of solidified it for me at the end is like it becomes like a cliched go after her chase scene, <laughs> oh a literal <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was, it reminded me of like that there's a family guy gag where Chris chases after someone um and goes off to an airport but oh yeah. Like maybe as I as I simmer on this movie a little bit more, I'll I'll start to accept it. But my feeling right now is like Odaka just needs to move on, because there are other sky fish in the sea. Wow.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I'll say two more things. Two more things about the ending. One, um, I didn't like. So this is one of the things I, I probably dislike the most about the ending. Although I love the ending um when hodaka was kind of reasoning with himself um i don't remember who i think he was talking to the old lady and she said oh yeah before tokyo was even here or whatever this was all submerged underwater mm-hmm. and then like the land kind of formed or whatever i don't know if it was man-made or whatever and then in his mind he's like oh, okay well it was underwater before so it's totally fine that yeah. i've doomed tokyo and i've drowned them again it's totally cool As i'm like you're justifying what you've done just because it was underwater before like it just seemed like a cop out or something. yeah a cop out it was very irresponsible of him like i get it you saved a life and and yes you've chosen to put tokyo underwater and hopefully no one died from that they were able to get out of there or whatever but on some level you have to take responsibility for that that was your choice and i think on some level hina accepted her fate i'm not again don't get wrong i'm glad he saved her i'm very glad he (laughs) saved her but it's just like him brushing that aside i'm like what a childish thing to do like that's just horrible i would have rather have seen him say you know what this sucks um, I will find, I'll, I'll do what I can to help the city, even if it's not much because right. I'm one person, but I, I accept the responsibility for this. This was my choice. Um, but it wasn't like that. He just was like, okay, well it's cool. Cause this old lady told me that it was underwater one time. It's totally fine.
1: And then he just goes off to go uh, find Hina and they live happily ever after.
0: Yeah. Like- and that's my second point is the whole, um, time skip that happens. I get it. He goes back. He has to um you know suffer the consequences of his ridiculous actions he he finishes out school and then he goes back to to find her but then he says he hasn't talked to her in three years and then he says it's because she doesn't have a cell phone and i'm like i i assume this movie takes place in present day i'm like it is the 21st century you're telling me she doesn't have a cell phone when she had a cell phone the whole movie right like didn't she have a cell phone the whole movie
1: i'm pretty sure yeah
0: so it's like she just doesn't have a cell phone for three years, even though she's got a younger brother she has to take care of and everyone and their mother has a cell phone. I'm like, that literally made no sense to me. I, I was like, are you kidding me? I, I don't know. Something that just seems so stupid to me. I was very frustrated at the end. I'm like, that was just such a huge like, cop-out with the plot.
1: And kind of going off of that, um, in terms of... I think there's almost like a continuity error where... I think it. we realized, or I told you this um, after we watched the movie, um, the characters from Your Name actually cameo in this film. Um, I don't want to spoil anything from Your Name for those of you who haven't watched it, but in that film, I don't recall there ever being mentioned, like, thundering rain in Tokyo. It's just, it's just something that I thought about. But
0: does this movie take place at the same time that your name is happening?
1: Yes, at a certain point in your name's timeline, it Mm, takes place.
0: Interesting, yeah. Unless we just didn't see they skip over that part, I guess, quote unquote, skip over it in your name. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, it's neat that both films have a supernatural element to it, but for them to just usher these characters in, just so we can say, like, oh, look, it's those characters that you might recognize from the other film we did. And maybe they're establishing the MCU, the Makoto Cinematic Universe. Wow. (laughs) But like other than them appearing just for the cameos, like, was there really was it really necessary?
0: Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I I like that. Like I love that kind of stuff, just like these little nods or hints or whatever to something larger at play, the universe or whatever, some sort of connection. Um, so I, I thought it was great. But I agree. I, I think it it wasn't hundred percent necessary. And that made me more convinced that this movie was was created as a way to try to make another your name, mm-hmm. right. Like it just it felt like this whole thing was like, we want to make another successful movie. We want it to be another your name, but it should be its own thing. Like, I'm pretty sure in film and TV history, we can all agree that when someone tries to go into it like that, I want it to be another blah, 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 because that thing was successful. It's not going to turn out right because you're just going to try to tailor it to what worked well in that movie or that show instead of making it something of its own that can stand on its own and be successful on its own.
1: Right. I think, yeah, the film's biggest flaw in that sense is that it came out after your name because I think we're all like, or both of us have... Like these expectations of it because we've seen Your Name first, or that it, Your Name was the first movie to come out um, before we saw this one.
0: But even then, like whether or not people have those expectations of it being another Your Name, like the the creator shouldn't go into it trying to just make another Your Name. I don't know, like something about that is, um, it, it's to me, it's not an excuse to try and do a, a rep, another what do you call it replica of of that movie um it just just go into it with it being a standalone and, and the audience member should also go into it not expecting it to be something that is is a, a mirror of something else you know what i mean like i'm trying to I'm, I'm not able to articulate it but just basically not going into it with the expectation that you're just going to see the same movie over again like it should be treated as its own standalone movie from both the perspective of the of the audience as well as the creator
1: right but again i guess and on a brighter note um just to Positives that I want to mention before we move on to our our final ratings. Um, for me, I loved the main theme of the movie in terms of the musical theme. Um, the song "Is There Still Anything That Love Can Do," which is by Radwimps, who composed the film score. I'm I'm a sucker for like cheesy romantic ballads, so obviously, like I, I when they used it in the the climactic. Uh, running scene with hodaka like that's where i was like man this song is a romantic banger and it is going on my spotify playlist for all anime songs
0: a romantic banger i think we'll we'll have to make new categories of bangers because you're right there are a lot of bangers that are kind of like <laughs> very op- very different OP
1: bangers or ending bangers and now they're romantic bangers <laughs> but yeah that was one thing I guess one redeeming quality of the film for me um the only the other thing was that um the detective uh takai aka T- detective josuke because he has that same hairdo um is voiced by yuki kaji of aaron yeager and todoroki fame
0: i know as soon as he opened his mouth i was like i planted the screen i'm like todoroki that's todoroki like it's just so like you can just you can pick that voice out of out of a bunch of voices very very easily
1: yeah, and for those of you who prefer uh, English dubs, uh, the detective was voiced by Riz Ahmed um, of Riz MC fame and of Rogue One fame. So,
0: Oh yeah, he was in Rogue One. Yeah. What was the TV show he was in too?
1: Uh, the Night Of.
0: Yeah, that was a good TV show. He's, yeah. He's cool.
1: Obviously, like we watched the subbed version, but for those of you that watched the dub, just a little bit of trivia for you there. And that takes us to our final rating. So how many sky fishes out of 10 would you give Weathering With You?
0: I would give it seven out of 10 because again, I genuinely enjoyed it. It was a fun ride. I was confused as fuck at certain points, um, but it had a very sweet love story. Um, but it just it w- it didn't hit the, the eight or the nine level for me the same way that um, Your Name and A Silent Voice did. What about you?
1: Same, I would give it seven sky fishes out of 10. Like, don't get me wrong. Fishes ro- or fish? Sky f- fish. I don't know. Is fishes a word? <laughs> fishes. He's sl- fish? Like, he sleeps I... with the fishes. Oh, I thought I fish
0: know. was like both a singular and a plural. Like Pokemon? Oh, I, get, I
1: guess. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> S- seven sky fish or fishes out of 10 for me as well. Like, don't get me wrong. It's, it's a good film. I think it's meant more for, like, hopeless romantics. And I'm sure the key demographic was, like, high school adolescents who are, you know, in search of love. Which
0: is, like, 90% of Slice of Life. (laughs) (laughs) anime.
1: So, yeah, like, it it gets that lovey-dovey aspect down pat. But for me, it just, the film just constantly lives in the shadow of Your Name for me. And it just, that's what kind of hinders it from truly standing out for me.
0: Because of your expectations or because of the way the creator put everything together?
1: I guess both because again like I had as I mentioned in the beginning I had high expectations going into this movie just because of you know like the creator's um, I guess resume now that he had your name under his belt but just story-wise it fell flat for me. It felt like he had built up this terrific first half and then he ran out of ideas on how to properly conclude the movie without losing its vision again maybe down the road i'll I'll accept the ending for what it is but yeah for right now it's it's not sitting with me well
0: (laughs) he got the girl but at a cost
1: at what cost man
0: And that concludes episode 21 of Strictly Anime. Thank you so so much for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at the strictly series and on Twitter at strictly series, and you can check out our website thestrictlyseries.com where you can reach out to us to share your thoughts on weathering with you and any other anime that we've reviewed or share any feedback on our podcast. And as we mentioned, Strictly JoJo, our new podcast dedicated to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, will be premiering on November 23rd. So look forward to that. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb.
1: But at what cost, man?